Matthew Henry's Commentary on the Whole Bible Leviticus 11 The ceremonial law is described by the Apostle, Hebrews 9 verses 9 and 10, to consist, not only in gifts and sacrifices, which hitherto have been treated of in this book, but in meats and drinks and divers washings from ceremonial uncleanness, the laws concerning which begin with this chapter, which puts a difference between some sorts of flesh meat and others, allowing some to be eaten as clean and forbidding others as unclean. There is one kind of flesh of men. Nature startles at the thought of eating this, and none do it, but such as have arrived at the highest degree of barbarity, and become but one one removed from brutes, therefore there needed no law against it. But there is another kind of flesh of beasts, concerning which the law directs here, verses 1 to 8, another of fishes, verses 9 to 12, another of birds, verses 13 to 19, and another of creeping things, which are distinguished into two sorts, flying creeping things, verses 20 to 28, and creeping things upon the earth, verses 29 to 43. And the law concludes with the general rule of holiness and reasons for it, verse 44, etc. Distinction of Meats, 1490 B.C. 1 And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, saying unto them, Two speak unto the children of Israel, saying, These are the beasts which ye shall eat among all the beasts that are on the earth. 3 Whatsoever partaith the hoof, and is cloven-footed, and cheweth the cud, am among the beasts, that shall ye eat. For nevertheless these shall ye not eat of them that chew the cud, or of them that divide the hoof, as the camel, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof, he is unclean unto you. 5 And the coney, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof, he is unclean unto you. 6 And the hare, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof, he is unclean unto you. 7 And the swine, though he divide the hoof, and be cloven-footed, yet he cheweth not the cud, he is unclean to you. 8 Of their flesh shall ye not eat, and their carcass shall ye not touch, they are unclean to you. Now that Aaron was consecrated a high priest over the house of God, God spoke to him with Moses, and appointed them both as joint commissioners to deliver his will to the people. He spoke both to Moses and to Aaron about this matter, for it was particularly required of the priests that they should put a difference between clean and unclean, and teach the people to do so. After the flood, when God entered into covenant with Noah and his sons, he allowed them to eat flesh, Genesis 9 verse 13, whereas before they were confined to the productions of the earth. But the liberty allowed to the sons of Noah is here limited to the sons of Israel. They might eat flesh, but not all kinds of flesh, some they must look upon as unclean and forbidden to them, others as clean and allow them. The law in this matter is both very particular and very strict. But what reason can be given for this law? Why may not God's people have as free a use of all the creatures as other people? 1. It is reason enough that God would have it so, His will, as it is law sufficient, so it is reason sufficient, for His will is His wisdom. He saw good thus to try and exercise the obedience of His people, not only in the solemnities of His altar, but in matters of daily occurrence at their own table, that they might remember they were under authority. Thus God had tried the obedience of man in innocency, by forbidding him to eat of one particular tree. 2. Most of the meats forbidden as unclean are such as were really unwholesome, and not fit to be eaten, and those of them that we think wholesome enough, and use accordingly, as the rabbit, the hare, and the swine, perhaps in those countries, and to their bodies, might be hurtful. And then God in this law did by them, but as a wise and loving father does by his children, 
whom he restrains from eating that which he knows will make them sick. Note, the Lord is for the body, and it is not only folly, but sin against God, to prejudice our health for the pleasing of our appetite. 3. God would thus teach his people to distinguish themselves from other people, not only in their religious worship, but in the common actions of life. Thus he would show them that they must not be numbered among the nations. It should seem there had been, before this, some difference between the Hebrews and other nations in their food, kept up by tradition, for the Egyptians, and they would not eat together, Genesis 43 verse 32. And even before the flood there was a distinction of beasts into clean and not clean, Genesis 7 verse 2, which distinction was quite lost, with many other instances of religion, among the Gentiles. But by this law it is reduced to a certainty, and ordered to be kept up among the Jews, that thus, by having a diet peculiar to themselves, they might be kept from familiar conversation with their idolatrous neighbors, and might typify God's spiritual Israel, who not in these little things, but in the temper of their spirits, and the course of their lives, should be governed by a sober singularity, and not be conformed to this world. The learned observe further, that most of the creatures which by this law were to be abominated as unclean were such as were had in high veneration among the heathen, not so much for food as for divination and sacrifice to their gods, and therefore those are here mentioned as unclean, and an abomination, which yet they would not be in any temptation to eat, that they might keep up a religious loathing of that for which the Gentiles had a superstitious value. The swine, with the later Gentiles, was sacred to Venus, the owl to Minerva, the eagle to Jupiter, the dog to Hecate, etc., and all these are here made unclean. As to the beasts, there is a general rule laid down, that those which both part the hoof and chew the cud were clean, and those only, these are particularly mentioned in the repetition of this law, Deuteronomy 14 verses 4 and 5, where it appears that the Israelites had variety enough allowed them, and needed not to complain of the confinement they were under. Those beasts that did not both chew the cud and divide the hoof were unclean, by which rule the flesh of swine, and of hares, and of rabbits, was prohibited to them, them, though commonly used among us. Therefore, particularly at the eating of any of these, we should give thanks for the liberty granted us in this matter by the gospel, which teaches us that every creature of God is good, and we are to call nothing common or unclean. Some observe a significancy in the rule here laid down for them to distinguish by, or at least think it may be alluded to. Meditation and other acts of devotion done by the hidden man of the heart may be signified by the chewing of the cud, digesting our spiritual food, justice and charity towards men, and the acts of a good conversation may be signified by the dividing of the hoof. Now either of these without the other will not serve to recommend us to God, but both must go together, good affections in the heart and good works in the life, if either be wanting, we are not clean, surely we are not clean. Of all the creatures here forbidden as unclean, none has been more dreaded and detested by the pious Jews than swine's flesh. Many were put to death by Antiochus because they would not eat it. This, probably, they were most in danger of being tempted to, and therefore possessed themselves and their children with a particular antipathy to it, calling it not by its proper name, but a strange thing. It should seem the Gentiles used it superstitiously, Isaiah 65 verse 4, they eat swine's flesh, and therefore God forbids all use of it to his people, lest they should learn of their neighbors to make that ill use of it. Some suggest that the prohibition of these beasts as unclean was intended to be a caution to the people against the bad qualities of these creatures. We must not be filthy nor, nor wallow in the mire as swine, nor be timorous and faint-hearted as hares, nor dwell in the earth as rabbits, 
Let not man that is in honor make himself like these beasts that perish. The law forbade, not only the eating of them, but the very touching of them, for those that would be kept from any sin must be careful to avoid all temptations to it, and everything that looks towards it or leads to it. 9 These shall ye eat of all that are in the waters, whatsoever hath fins and scales in the waters, in the seas, and in the rivers, them shall ye eat. 10 And all that have not fins and scales in the seas, and in the rivers, of all that move in the waters, and of any living thing which is in the waters, they shall be an abomination unto you, 11 They shall be even an abomination unto you, ye shall not eat of their flesh, flesh, but ye shall have their carcasses in abomination. 12 Whatsoever hath no fins nor scales in the waters, that shall be an abomination unto you. 13 And these are they which ye shall have an abomination among the fowls, they shall not be eaten, they are an abomination, the eagle, and the ossifrage, and the osprey, 14 And the vulture, and the kite after his kind, 15 Every raven after his kind, 16 And the owl, and the night hawk, and the cuckow, and the hawk after his kind, 17 And the little owl, and the cormorant, and the great owl, 18 And the swan, and the pelican, and the gear eagle, 19 And the stork, the heron after her kind, and the lapwing and the bat. Here is 1. A general rule concerning fishes, which were clean and which not. All that had fins and scales they might eat, and only those odd sorts of water animals that have not were forbidden, verses 9 and 10. The ancients accounted fish the most delicate food, so far were they from allowing it on fasting days, or making it an instance of mortification to eat fish, therefore God did not lay much restraint upon his people in them, for he is a master that allows his servants not only for necessity, but for delight. Concerning the prohibited fish it is said, they shall be an abomination to you, verses 10 to 12, that is, you shall count them unclean, and not only not eat of them, but keep at a distance from them. Note, whatever is unclean should be to us an abomination, touch not the unclean thing. But observe, it was to be an abomination only to Jews, the neighboring nations were under none of these obligations, nor are these things to be an abomination to us Christians. The Jews were honored with peculiar privileges, and therefore, lest they should be proud of those, transient come honora, they were likewise laid under peculiar restraints. Thus God's spiritual Israel, as they are dignified above others by the gospel covenant of adoption and friendship, so they must be mortified more than others by the gospel commands of self-denial and bearing the cross. 2. Concerning fowls here is no general rule given, but a particular enumeration of those fowls that they must abstain from as unclean, which implies an allowance of all others. The critics here have their hands full to find out what is the true signification of the Hebrew words here used, some of which still remain uncertain, some sorts of fowls being peculiar to some countries. Were the law in force now, we should be concerned to know with certainty what are prohibited by it, and perhaps if we did, and were better acquainted with the nature of the fowls here mentioned, we should admire the knowledge of Adam in giving them names expressive of their natures, Genesis 2 verse 20. But the law being repealed, and the learning in a great measure lost, it is sufficient for us to observe that of the fowls here forbidden one. Some are birds of prey, as the eagle, vulture, etc., and God would have his people to abhor everything that is barbarous and cruel, and not to live by blood and rapine. Doves that are preyed upon were fit to be food for man and offerings to God, but kites and hawks that prey upon them must be looked upon as an abomination to God and man, for the condition of those that are persecuted for righteousness' sake appears to an eye of faith every way better than that of their persecutors. 2. Others of them are solitary birds, 
that abide in dark and desolate places, as the owl and the pelican, Psalm 102 verse 6, and the cormorant and raven, Isaiah 34 verse 11, for God's Israel should not be a melancholy people, nor affect sadness in constant solitude. 3. Others of them feed upon that which is impure, as the stork on serpents, others of them on worms, and we must not only abstain from all impurity ourselves, but from communion with those that allow themselves in it. 4. Others of them were used by the Egyptians and other Gentiles in their divinations. Some birds were reckoned fortunate, others ominous, and their soothsayers had great regard to the flights of these birds, all which therefore must be an abomination to God's people, who must not learn the way of the heathen. Twenty all fowls that creep, going upon all four, shall be an abomination unto you. Twenty-one yet these may ye eat of every flying creeping thing that goeth upon all four, which have legs above their feet, to leap withal upon the earth, twenty-two even these of them ye may eat, the locust after his kind, and the bald locust after his kind, and the beetle after his kind, and the grasshopper after his kind. Twenty-three but all other flying creeping things, which have four feet, shall be an abomination unto you. Twenty-four and for these ye shall be unclean, whosoever toucheth the carcass of them shall be unclean until the even. Twenty-five and whosoever beareth out of the carcass of them shall wash his clothes, and be unclean until the even. Twenty-six the carcasses of every beast which divideth the hoof, and is not cloven-footed, nor cheweth the cud, are unclean unto you, every one that toucheth them shall be unclean. Twenty-seven and whatsoever goeth upon his paws, among all manner of beasts that go on all four, those are unclean unto you, whoso toucheth their carcass shall be unclean until the even. Twenty-eight and he that beareth the carcass of them shall wash his clothes, and be unclean until the even, they are unclean unto you. Twenty-nine these also shall be unclean unto you among the creeping things that creep upon the earth, the weasel, and the mouse, and the tortoise after his kind, thirty and the ferret, and the chameleon, and the lizard, and the snail, and the mole. Thirty-one these are unclean to you among all that creep, whosoever doth touch them, when they be dead, shall be unclean until the even. Thirty-two and upon whatsoever any of them, when they are dead, doth fall, it shall be unclean, whether it be any vessel of wood, or raiment, or skin, or sack, whatsoever vessel it be, wherein any work is done, it must be put into water, and it shall be unclean until the even, so it shall be cleansed. 33 In every earthen vessel, whereinto any of them falleth, whatsoever is in it shall be unclean, and ye shall break it. 34 Of all meat which may be eaten, that on which such water cometh shall be unclean, and all drink that may be drunk in every such vessel shall be unclean. 35 And everything whereupon any part of their carcass falleth shall be unclean, whether it be oven or ranges for pots, they shall be broken down, for they are unclean, and shall be unclean unto you. 36 Nevertheless a fountain or pit, wherein there is plenty of water, shall be clean, but that which toucheth their carcass shall be unclean. 37 And if any part of their carcass fall upon any sowing seed which is to be sown, it shall be clean. 38 But if any water be put upon the seed, and any part of their carcass fall thereon, it shall be unclean unto you. 39 And if any beast of which ye may eat die, he that toucheth the carcass thereof shall be unclean until the even. 40 And he that eateth of the carcass of it shall wash his clothes, and be unclean until the even. He also that beareth the carcass of it shall wash his clothes, and be unclean until the even. 41 And every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth shall be an abomination, 
it shall not be eaten. 42 Whatsoever goeth upon the belly, and whatsoever goeth upon all four, or whatsoever hath more feet among all creeping things that creep upon the earth, them ye shall not eat, for they are an abomination. Here is the law, 1. Concerning flying insects, as flies, wasps, bees, etc., these they might not eat, verse 20, nor indeed are they fit to be eaten, but there were several sorts of locusts which in those countries were very good meat, and much used, John Baptist lived upon them in the desert, and they are here allowed them, verses 21 and 22. 2. Concerning the creeping things on the earth, these were all forbidden, verses 29 and 30, and again, verses 41 and 42, for it was the curse of the serpent that upon his belly he should go, and therefore between him and man there was an enmity put, Genesis 3 verse 15, which was preserved by this law. Dust is the meat of the creeping things, and therefore they are not fit to be man's meat. 3. Concerning the dead carcasses of all these unclean animals. 1. Every one that touched them was to be unclean until the evening, verses 24 to 28. This law is often repeated, to possess them with a dread of everything that was prohibited, though no particular reason for the prohibition did appear, but only the will of the lawmaker. Not that they were to be looked upon as defiling to the conscience, or that it was a sin against God to touch them, unless done in contempt of the law, in many cases, somebody must of necessity touch them, to remove them, but it was a ceremonial uncleanness they contracted, which for the time forbade them to come into the tabernacle, or to eat of any of the holy things, or so much as to converse familiarly with their neighbors. But the uncleanness continued only till the evening, to signify that all ceremonial pollutions were to come to an end by the death of Christ in the evening of the world. And we must learn, by daily renewing our repentance every night for the sins of the day, to cleanse ourselves from the pollution we contract by them, that we may not lie down in our uncleanness. Even unclean animals they might touch while they were alive without contracting any ceremonial uncleanness by it, as horses and dogs, because they were allowed to use them for service, but they might not touch them when they were dead, because they might not eat their flesh, and what must not be eaten must not be touched, Genesis 3 verse 3. 2. Even the vessels or other things they fell upon, were thereby made unclean until the evening, verse 32, and if they were earthen vessels they must be broken, verse 33. This taught them carefully to avoid everything that was polluting, even in their common actions. Not only the vessels of the sanctuary, but every pot in Jerusalem and Judah, must be holiness to the Lord, Zechariah 14 verses 20 and 21. The laws in these cases are very critical, and the observance of them would be difficult, we should think, if everything that a dead mouse or rat, for instance, falls upon must be unclean, and if it were an oven or ranges for pots, they must, they must all be broken down, verse 35. The exceptions also are very nice, verse 36, etc. All this was designed to exercise them to a constant care and exactness in their obedience, and to teach us, who by Christ are delivered from these burdensome observances, not to be less circumspect in the more weighty matters of the law. We ought as industriously to preserve our precious souls from the pollutions of sin, and as speedily to cleanse them when they are polluted, as they were to preserve and cleanse their bodies and household goods from those ceremonial pollutions. 43 Ye shall not make yourselves abominable with any creeping thing that creepeth, neither shall ye make yourselves unclean with them, that ye should be defiled thereby. 44 For I am the Lord your God, ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy, holy, 
neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. 45 For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt, to be your God, ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. 46 This is the law of the beasts, and of the fowl, and of every living creature that moveth in the waters, and of every creature that creepeth upon the earth, 47 To make a difference between the unclean and the clean, and between the beast that may be eaten and the beast that may not be eaten. Here is, 1. The exposition of this law, or a key to let us into the meaning of it. It was not intended merely for a bill of fare, or as the directions of a physician about their diet, but God would hereby teach them to sanctify themselves, and to be holy, verse 44. That is, 1. They must hereby learn to put a difference between good and evil, and to reckon that it could not be all alike what they did, when it was not all alike what they ate. 2. To maintain a constant observance of the divine law, and to govern themselves by that in all their actions, even those that are common, which ought to be performed after a godly sort, 3 John 6. Even eating and drinking must be by rule, and to the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31. 3. To distinguish themselves from all their neighbors, as a people set apart for God, and obliged not to walk as the Gentiles, and all this is holiness. Thus these rudiments of the world were their tutors and governors, Galatians 4 verses 2 and 3, to bring them to that which is the revival of our first state in Adam, and the earnest of our best state with Christ, that is, holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. This is indeed the great design of all the ordinances, that by them we may sanctify ourselves, and learn to be holy. Even this law concerning their food, which seemed to stoop so very low, aimed thus high, for it was the statute law of heaven, under the Old Testament as well as the New, that without holiness no man shall see the Lord. The caution therefore, verse 43, is, you shall not make yourselves abominable. Note, by having fellowship with sin, which is abominable, we make ourselves abominable. That man is truly miserable who is in the sight of God abominable, and none are so but those that make themselves so. The Jewish writers themselves suggest that the intention of this law was to forbid them all communion by marriage, or otherwise, with the heathen, Deuter Deuteronomy 7 verses 2 and 3. And thus the moral of it is obligatory on us, forbidding us to a fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, and, without this real holiness of the heart and life, he that offereth an oblation is as if he offered swine's blood, Isaiah 66 verse 3, and, if it was such a provocation for a man to eat swine's flesh himself, much more it must be so to offer swine's blood at God's altar, see Proverbs 15 verse 8. 2. The reasons of this law, and they are all taken from the lawmaker himself, to whom we must have respect in all acts of obedience. 1. I am the Lord your God, verse 44. Therefore you are bound to do thus, in pure obedience. God's sovereignty over us and propriety in us, oblige us to do whatever He commands us, how much soever it crosses our inclinations. 2. I am holy, verse 44, and again, verse 45. If God be holy, we must be so, else we cannot expect to be accepted of Him. His holiness is His glory, Exodus 15 verse 11, and therefore it becomes his house forever, Psalm 93 verse 5. This great precept, thus enforced, though it comes in here in the midst of abrogated laws, is quoted and stamped for a gospel precept, 1 Peter 1 verse 16, where it is
it is intimated that all these ceremonial restraints were designed to teach us that we must not fashion ourselves according to our former lusts and our ignorance, verse 14. 3. I am the Lord that bringeth you out of the land of Egypt, verse 45. This was a reason why they should cheerfully submit to distinguishing laws, having of late been so wonderfully dignified with distinguishing favors. He that had done more for them than for any other people might justly expect more from them. 3. The conclusion of this statute, this is the law of the beasts, and of the fowl, etc., verses 46 and 47. This law was to them a statute forever, that is, as long as that economy lasted, but under the gospel we find it expressly repealed by a voice from heaven to Peter, Acts 10 verse 15, as it had before been virtually set aside by the death of Christ, with the other ordinances that perished in the using, touch not, taste not, handle not, Colossians 2 verses 21 and 22. And now we are sure that meat commends us not to God, 1 Corinthians 8 verse 8, and that nothing is unclean of itself, Romans 14 verse 14, nor does that defile a man which goes into his mouth, but that which comes out from the heart, Matthew 15 verse 11. Let us therefore, 1. Give thanks to God that we are not under this yoke, but that to us every creature of God is allowed as good, and nothing to be refused. 2. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and take heed of those doctrines which command to abstain from meats, and so would revive Moses again, 1 Timothy 4 verses 3 and 4. 3. Be strictly and conscientiously temperate in the use of the good creatures God has allowed us. If God's law has given us liberty, let us lay restraints upon ourselves, and never feed ourselves without fear, lest our table be a snare. Set a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite, and be not desirous of dainties or varieties, Proverbs 23 verses 2 and 3. Nature is content with little, grace with less, but lust with nothing.